Two pastors and Tom walk into a bar, but this is no joke. It's the start of a conversation between three friends about culture, God, beer, and more. So pull up a chair, order a pint, and let's get started. Right, welcome to Pint Glass Preachers. We are your co-hosts, Tom, Josh, and Gabe, and welcome to our second installation of Rerun of the Nuns. Let's get going. That was the quickest intro you've had. Yeah, wow. you know, I thought I'd wait. Really... That's it. Yeah, that yeah, the whole it. thing. That's the whole thing. It was really. I feel like thirty-five episodes in, people are starting to like. Okay, well, my hope is that they're kind of looking forward to whatever intro is happening, and then I totally pull a fast one here and just pull the rug on out from under them and here we are Do you know what man when uh you just mentioned the 35 episodes in i was really excited about that because i was going to make a joke hey guys we're 35 episodes in that's halfway to how old tom is <laughs> oh that's hilarious can I, can I be the first to say that i'm equally disappointed with that terrible joke and the fact that tom's intro was like one line i was sitting back just waiting <laughs> Like, I can't even get out these words. I was just so disappointed. I coughed. Yeah, you wow. were going to go on a bathroom break, go get another beer, something like that. But no. Nope. nope. You get one we'll tell you there. what. You know what we're not disappointed about? Our ministry partner, the Gospel <laughs> Economist. <laughs> yes. How was Preach. that? That was professional. No, no, no. I think the new thing for you is how corny can you trans- transition to our our ministry partners? Dude, I think that's, you know, I'm like, speaking of corn, I'm realizing in my life, as I get older, like, you're a freak I'm a, on a leash. I'm, well, <laughs> man, that album, so good. Anyways, but uh, I, like, I'm a pastor and a dad and only increasingly becoming more of those things, which means like my jokes are getting worse. Like my humor is getting worse. Like I'm going to be wearing white New Balances and khaki pants really soon. Just can, like me. Are you just like <laughs> the day is coming, man? All right. Anyways, Gospel Economist is great. You should check them out. We really do love working with these guys. Um, they they're a wonderful, wonderful group of writers and bloggers uh, that that seek the story of Jesus Christ and his payment for our sin in our everyday lives. You can check them out at medium.com/slash/the-gospel-economist. Uh, we are also hosted by them, and so I encourage you to check them out. And uh, man, we're we're grateful for their friendship, and they have some great resources. So please uh, enjoy their work, Gospel Economist. That's it, Tom. That was oh, it. That, that's it. Okay, cool. Well, hey, we're all on short things here. Uh, let's move right away to what are we drinking? Uh, I guess Josh. Not a short thing coming. Warning, disclaimer: This is not a short thing coming. I am not going to let Tom and Gabe derail us with one-liners. I'm going to extend this conversation as long as humanly possible. Oh, Lord. Okay, You're welcome. Okay, seriously, though, this is actually a really good story. So tonight, I, I usually stick with the beer. I, I almost never have anything other than beer during these recordings. But tonight, I have some, some unnamed liquor from Spain. And here's why. Recently, my parents went to Portugal and Spain. And when they came back, they called Jenny and I and said, hey, we're going to send you a gift. And so Jenny and I were excited because we thought it was going to be some amazing Spanish wine. All right. And instead, what shows up is this little decanter, a white ceramic decanter that we cannot decipher. We cannot understand. And so I call my mom and said, hey, what is this? And she goes, I don't know. She's like, we tried it at this winery in Spain and decided to bring it home because it made your father warm all over. Whoa. Not in that kind of way. He yeah. just doesn't drink a lot of liquor. So I try it, and I'm like, man, this thing is so interesting. Never had it before. Well, last week I was taking a tour of our local distillery, the Chattanooga Whiskey Company, and we sat down in the tasting room, and our first sample was what they refer to as basically their – It's well, it's not what they refer to. It's an unaged bourbon. So it hasn't passed through any charred oak barrels or anything like that. It's a first run. Essentially, it's white lightning, green whiskey, what you would consider, you know, a, a clear, unaged whiskey. All right. Yeah, that's what I and consider. so I sit down and I try this and I sip and I'm like, 
what the heck? This is straight corn whiskey. And I'm like, wait a second. This is exactly what my parents sent me from Spain. So I call my mom and I'm like, mom, you went all the way to Spain only to send me a Tennessean corn whiskey. Come on. <laughs> so good, right? What a they world. went to Europe getting me a gift that's something that I can go buy downtown. Corn, corn mash whiskey. So yeah. to that, my friends, you can't see me. Gabe and Tom can. Yep. Salud. Lahayam. Yeah, that does not look like bourbon right there. No, no. Mm, 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 mm. You know, the whole time you were talking about Portugal and Spain, I just kept thinking of my favorite quote. Portugal, Spain's Canada. (laughs) (laughs) Man, I love being American. Okay, speaking of that, I'm drinking uh, a Boatswain American IPA. I thought that was uh, a Bud Light for a second. Yeah, it does sort of look like that, but it's it's Boatswain, which I'm not really sure is a real company. My wonderful wife got it for me from Trader Joe's. It may be just like a weird Trader Joe's thing, uh, but it's a very good American IPA. So three cheers for Boatswain American IPA. Hip, hip, mm. hooray. Hip, 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 hooray. Hip, hip, hooray. There we go. What about you, Tom? Well, tonight I am having a, uh, now hold on, hold on. I am having a water on the rocks. Uh, Now this is a tap water and I'm drinking it at about 67, 68 degrees. So just a little cooler than than room temperature, which I think is really the optimal temperature to drink water. Um, I'm drinking it out of a clear glass. It's delicious and uh, can't go wrong. I really recommend it. You can pick this up at almost any household in America, Gabe, sorry, not in your area, but nope. uh, clear, clean drinking water. Hey, that's an hour north of us. <laughs> Wait a second. Tom, are you on the whole 30? No, I'm on the whole nothing to eat. Uh, I've decided to literally figure my crap out, and I am alcohol-free, caffeine-free, uh, gluten-free, and dairy-free for two full weeks here to get everything out of my system, and then introduce everything back in you meet you know over the course of a couple of days to see what really screws me up so wait so is this because of medical issues because of dietary issues or just because you're going through one of those dietary <laughs> bad purges <laughs> no no this is uh this is me trying to figure out my uh intestinal issues uh and trying to you know just make me feel better man being old sucks yeah, you know. Did you guys hear that? Yeah, that that was every single one of our listeners turning off this episode. I don't know if you guys heard that or not. Wait, no. listeners, wait, Gabe, come back. We Gabe, will take You had an entire introduction like in episode 15 about you on the crapper and all sorts of things. We had to we had to sit through like 3 episodes of your stuff. So hey, Tom, Tom, watch the language. Watch the language before iTunes puts an explicit content advisory. Yeah, we, don't want, we don't want that ready. Episode. We don't want that ready. No, we don't. But hey, yeah. speaking of speaking of old people, which we know you all are not our good listeners, make sure to check us out on Facebook. You should know how to access that by now. It's almost 2018. But if you want to go back to the dark ages, try something new. Text us your questions. Isn't that what the kids are doing these days? Just texting each other? They don't know how to have a conversation? They can't call? <laughs> AOL. <laughs> I can't even do that anymore. Seriously. Text us your question. 612-208-6258. We've had a flood of questions and comments. So much so, it caused my AOL email account to crash. Even Tom Hanks couldn't get one through. Oh, uh, mail. Let, 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 me read, let me read our first one because I think this is great. Uh, Texter writes in, I did not chuckle at Gabe's joke. Sorry, Gabe. I really wanted to. It just didn't have it. Not- Three cheers for Ryan. Yeah. Hip, hip, hooray. Hip, hip. Hooray. Ryan, this one's for you. Hip, hip. Hooray. We're not going to keep doing this through the whole episode, are we? Yeah, we might. Depends if how many lot. times you say three cheers for something. Ryan, I know who you are. I will find you. I will hunt you down. And I will make you laugh. Period. Wow. Okay. Highly questionable. We're going to go to break. We'll try to give Tom a hard time in the interim. And we will return with more answers 
to all of your burning questions. Right, welcome back. We are going to get into what we actually wanted to talk about today, the rerun of the nuns. Again, I several episodes ago we did a three episode swing here of of the nuns, talking about the nuns. These are people who uh, don't claim any religious affiliation. Uh, I'm spiritual. I believe in something, but I'm not willing to line up with lutheranism catholicism or any kind of kind of religion and so uh we got so many questions so many texts so many facebook posts uh, about this that we said hey let's start compiling these questions let's put them together and let's start answering them we wanted to revisit that it, it was that important of a topic and so i uh, last episode we got into things like uh, discussing our first experiences with faith and religion uh we talked about what our definition of faith is and we got into a little bit of, was Jesus in fact the son of God or maybe just an influential person? And so we talked about that and how uh, the three of us very strongly believe that he was indeed the son of God for multiple reasons, uh, from historical accounts to uh, some of the things that, that happened that could not have happened without a God. And so uh, we're going we're gonna to jump to, uh, we had a number of questions today about uh, the afterlife. And I, so I'll just start off. What do you believe heaven is? Is it a physical place? Is it a state of mind? Let's start there. So short answer is, I would say heaven is the realm where God's way is absolute. Uh, so it's the realm where his rule and reign are as it should be, uncorrupted by sin, uncorrupted by evil, uncorrupted by death. So that's what heaven is. Um, so I would say it's a place right now. In terms of the afterlife, it's a place that what we see the picture of in the end of Revelation is it ends up being a place that invades this earth and renews this earth so that all of earth is invaded with heaven so that so that this place that we live in now um, becomes this place where God's rule and reign is is always in place. So all of that say there's moments where heaven breaks into earth even now, I would argue. So okay, do, I, do, I sort of agree. Um, I'm going to make a, a minor theological yeah, distinction, which hopefully okay. won't get us caught in the weeds. But so on the one hand, <clears throat> yes, with your definition of heaven but also i would say it's a physical place because if christ was raised physically yeah. then he physically exists there so yes it is a physical place but yep. it's not like a distinctly separate place yeah where it's that's like good. a different planet or something okay yeah. which is which is i think what i i think from sunday school on we are we are almost that that's the image we get we get golden streets and tom floating on a cloud wearing a diaper yeah floating on clouds harps um that all we do is eat cotton candy and you know play basketball with michael jordan you know or whatever our ideal thing is and so you know i think especially in conversations with with both of you and i've heard you preach on this before that that, that it's a very different thing than that yeah, and I think this – I don't know if I'm necessarily disagreeing or offering an alternative. So, Gabe, I just want to clarify what you said, even though I'm pretty sure I know what you said uh, because we're on Amkara. Tom, don't worry about that. That's an ancient Gaelic word yep. for soul partner. Mm, even though partner is such a loaded term these days, we are soul partners. soul partners. Yeah, we are on Amkara. Um, anyway, okay. um, Gabe, I have to say that – in the way you described it, it sort of sounds like heaven is just an upgrade. Uh, in, the, in, in terms of the uh, eschaton, heaven is sort of an upgrade of our current earth and creation 
but I would say that, you know, when Scripture talks about the heaven and earth passing away and a new creation existing, then it's a little bit more than just an upgrade. It's kind of a, a complete renewal of something that is familiar yet completely unknown to us. Yeah, I mean, yes, you're right. It's it's more than just an upgrade, but but I guess maybe I'm in my head warring against this idea of um, sort of there's like this destruction of the earth and we just sort of float away to heaven. Like that's not what it is. Like, like there is something to the material that is here and now that is redeemed and renewed. Yeah, so and, an upgrade yes, is overly simplistic, but... No, I but I get what you're saying. That. It's like, okay, when God if we believe that God created heaven and earth and it was good, then in the right. goodness of creation, that is what heaven was because it was, like you said, an unadulterated rule of of God's perfect, you know, will, essentially. Yeah. And so the new creation is going to be a return to that uncorrupted, you know, resonance of God through in and through all things where sin, death, uh, you know, suffering no longer exists. So it's not a complete destruction of what we currently know, but it's a fulfillment of what was once so entirely good that none of us were ever able to experience it. Yep. Agreed. Okay. But hell, this is a more interesting thing. And you and I actually had a conversation recently because uh, what I didn't realize was that we used to be on two sides, two separate sides of this fence on hell, where um, scripture talks about hell or the eternal separation of God, uh, Gehenna, Hades, Sheol, whatever word we want to use in a number of ways. And, um, you know, the, I would say the the traditional Orthodox Christian view of hell is that it's a place where people who don't believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, who redeems them from their sin, uh, is a place of eternal punishment, eternal torment, eternal suffering. And I recall a conversation you and I had one afternoon where you said, hey, but I'm pretty sure that that torment, that suffering comes to an end, and all who are separated from God will ultimately be destroyed or annihilated. We got to a pretty good conversation about that. So let's go back yeah. to that for a second. Well, if we talk about heaven, I, I suppose we also have to talk about hell. So let's just uh, dive into it. Uh, you know, I think a lot of our understandings of the, the afterlife are shaped, quite frankly, by medieval art, Dante's Inferno, and, and pop culture as opposed to scripture. Uh, and, and in particular, when it comes to hell, scripture is... I think less clear than people think it is when it comes to hell. Certainly, is there a hell? Yes. Is God's judgment real? Yes. Uh, what exactly that entails uh, is, I think, a little bit more of a conversation that, that, that the church needs to have as, as we sort through the details on that. Because um, really there's varying degrees of orthodoxy and, 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 and well, within orthodoxy of understanding what hell is. Um, but I would simply say this, hell is separation from God. So hell is separation from God. That sounds like a safe answer. Please explain. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I guess it is or a, 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 a harmless answer. Well, I think, I think so first delineate, you, delineate it for me. First, I think you need to understand that connection to God because when you starting in the very beginning, we had a very uh, familiar relationship with God. Adam and Eve walked in the garden with God, and then through sin, that got ruined. Uh, we still have this connection to God, and you know, we even talked about this a little bit in a science episode about like, is God like making our heartbeat, or is He just kind of watching from afar, or these types of things? But the fact that we are still connected to God in some way, shape, or form, and that to be completely separated from that is a lot worse than our minds could ever fathom it this is not like being away from your kids for a week or from your wife for a week or something like that this is being away from your connection to life itself and so that being said go on Gabe well yeah I mean so so that to me is part of it right that if God is the source of all love and joy and goodness and life itself um to be separated from that literally would be hell and so that's where 
I'm not going to do that. But but that's where, you know, Jesus on the cross cries out, my, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And, and some theologians would say, you know, in that moment, he's experiencing the pains of hell. He's entering into this moment of of, of separation from father. And yes, we all know he's quoting Psalm 22. Just keep your comments to yourselves. Okay. But, uh, but at any rate, um, like that, 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 that's, that really is hell is that. And, and so I think one of the ways that's helpful for me to understand it is if we think about, um, actually the way the Eastern, Eastern Orthodox church talks about this. And I don't hundred percent agree with their afterlife theology. And there's a lot there to discuss, but, what they'll say is this, is that in the resurrection of the dead, uh, that God and, and his love comes upon us. And that we, uh, those of us who know God, who know his love through Jesus Christ, uh, we experience that love. It's, it's like a light. If you think of love as like a light, we experience that love as like a warm embrace, that, that we're embraced by our Father, we're loved by our Father. But if we don't know that love, if our backs are turned on that love, we experience that light like the burning of the sun. Uh, we, we experience like the burning of the sun. And so that, that to me is hell that, that we've turned in on ourselves so much that that hell's locked from the inside that we've turned in on ourselves so much that we can't experience the love of the father or the life of the father. And so all we experience is pain. That's all I got, Josh. I mean, I, I agree. Yes, but that still sounds harmless to me. And I think this is the most difficult question when discussing heaven and hell is what's the incentive? You know what I mean? Like on a very visceral level, if I am say separated from God at this point in time, I am, I don't believe in Jesus. I don't believe in God, the father. I don't believe in God, the Holy spirit. Like I'm just not a Christian and maybe I don't even believe heaven or hell exist at all. And I seem to have a, a great life. I'm enjoying things, you know, whatever. I endure suffering. Every person does. But hey, things are cool on the whole. Yeah, yeah. you're moral. Why do I care? Yep. Like that doesn't, that doesn't incentivize me to be like, oh, man, I should really get on that Christian bandwagon. Or, you know, um, yeah, dude, well, man, you I'm, miss, might... I'm missing out on something. You know what I mean? Like on the one hand, I, I will say this, like. That is a symptom of society today. That is a symptom of our culture. I mean, for all generations, for that matter. Um, but I, my argument would be, if you haven't experienced it, then you simply cannot know it. Right. Well, here's the deal, man. Like, and you and I talk about this. Like, he, here's the incentive. It's true. Jesus is true. He's real. The life he offers is real. And so I think this idea of like, the only reason to be a Christian, the only reason to believe in Jesus because I'm afraid of going to hell is a stupid reason to believe in Jesus. And it's a bad way to go through life. Absolutely. Like, so, so to me, I think this sort of when we do fear-based evangelism or we do fear-based uh, come to Jesus moments, I think that's nonsense. I think it's Jesus is true. He's real. He actually offers new life. It's actually worth diving into. And it's not just like, well, I'm afraid of going to hell, so I guess I'll get my, my insurance. Like, let's take the middle ground then of of not fear based evangelism, but just you know what heaven and hell is. Either way, is just something to soothe my conscience, to make me feel better about the crappy situation I'm in, or or something like that. I just I just want to be able to look forward to something, whether it's true or not. Well, see, that's in my mind, that's not actually the middle ground. That is where the impetus for faith for me ultimately lies is it's not in a fear of hell or a fear of punishment or something like that, but it's in the promise of a hope of something so yep. remarkably better that yep. that's what you desire. Like I was just having this yep. conversation with someone who suffers from depression the other day and we were – as a matter of fact, it was on a Sunday morning and we were having this conversation. And was it me? No, no, but you always do suffer from depression and it's existential true. crises. You it's still true. need an intervention. We're that working on it. episode titled Gabe Needs an Intervention still holds true. It's true. But they were asking me this question, you know, so like, okay, heaven, great. Hell, not so great. Whatever. But what makes this this desire for, for a new creation so much better, you know, for someone like me who suffers from depression? And I said, imagine a time, a place – all of eternity where you never have to have those depressive feelings ever again, Come on, where you are 
free from sadness, free from cynicism, free from a sense of, of, you know, failure, free from a sense of hopelessness. I said, imagine that. Doesn't that sound great? And they were like, well, yeah, I mean, of course it does. And I said, well, that's what the new creation is. That's what we are promised in Christ, that mm -hmm. all of those effects of sin will disappear and will be gone. And so, yeah, hell is not a, you know, we're never going to get anywhere with fear mongering. You know, it, it wasn't like the revival preachers of the 18 and, and very early 1900s, um, you know, we're, we're doing a great service to Christendom by saying like, you should be afraid of like purgatory and destruction and right. eternal torment. Instead, really the focus of hell is actually heaven because to deter one from an eternal separation from God is to ultimately point them to a hope where all of those things you suffer from in this life yep. dissipate, they disappear yep. and you are redeemed from them eternally. That's right. So, okay. I'll, I'll take that as that. That's the exact opposite, but let's take someone who is maybe more cynical and, and is thinking, well, okay, that, that, that afterlife sounds really, really great, but what if we just die and we just, that's it. That's the end of existence. Because if if you suffer from depression or just have a, a normal life, then then that being the end is not so bad either. And now, okay. I, and, and so I'm saying the cynical the cynical position would be: so you're just selling sunshine in a bottle here, yep. So that I'll come and listen to you and fork over some money when you pass the plate. Let's hope so, man. Titus has got to go to school. Right. Um, so, so <laughs> uh, that's a joke. I drive a 2007 Elantra that the door is falling off. Okay. So just shut up. We don't get that much money. Anyways. Um, so, uh, no, man. And that cynicism, legit. Let me, and let me even spin it positively for like, let's say I'm Mr. Cynic here. There's this video floating around uh, the internet right now, as they tend to do, of Neil deGrasse Tyson and Larry King talking. I don't know if you guys seen it, but, um, you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson is a great astrophysicist, very bright guy. Uh, Can I there, pause you because I'm almost certain you brought this up in our last episode? No, I brought it up in my sermon that you listened to. No, I think you brought it because I heard it twice and I think you brought it up in, in here too. Shoot. Josh? Um, I'm going to give you another 30 seconds of this story before I cut you off, de depending upon whether or not you shared this previously. I don't Who's know the old is. guy now? Can't even remember what you said a week ago. Okay. Hey, nope, I, give, I give you 30 seconds. Keep going and I will cut you because I know I don't listen to your sermons. So I will know whether or not this made it in the That's last true. episode. That's Go. true. Okay. Go. All right. So Neil deGrasse Tyson, there's a video floating around and he and Larry King are talking and Larry King asks him what happens when we die. And Tyson answers biologically and just explains like, well, this is what happens. Your body deteriorates X, Y, and Z. Yep, this happened last episode. Okay. All right. Hold on. Here I go. All right, here's the deal for my friend, the cynic out there who says like, hey, you die and you're just worm food. Um, number one, yeah, I guess that's not the worst option, right? Hell would be the worst option, but just dying and rotting in the ground. Okay, or we just cease to exist. That's fine. Um, it doesn't, I wouldn't say it scares me, but, but what I would say is this. We are hope-based creatures. Like we just are. Like humanity is a hope based species we are so and, and let me just give you an example this way uh say someone like you were given a job where your job was to to screw uh, a widget onto a wadget whatever that means okay that was your job and you get hired two people get hired they're from the exact same circumstance the exact same background and the first guy gets told hey you screw widgets onto wadgets for three years and we will pay you thirty thousand dollars at the end of the year and the next guy says hey you screw widgets onto widgets for three years and we'll pay you $3 million a year. Guess which guy is going to be a lot more cheerful about his work. Guess which guy is going to do be a lot more productive about his work. Guess which guy is, is going to be like, you know what? This isn't so bad. It's the dude who's getting paid 3 million as opposed to 30,000. Why? Because we're hope based creatures. We just are. We see it on a daily basis of, just looking forward to things that happen in the future. I've got friends coming next weekend. Can't wait. We're going to camp together in two weeks. That's going to be awesome. Yeah. I mean, just, we keep, we keep looking for that. We keep hoping for raises in our jobs that our kids will be, you know, a plus students and get great jobs when they're older and marry wonderful people and all this. 
We are. Yep. We're hope-based. Yeah, yep. and, and actually, I think this brings us back to, in, in a very, very reasonable and logical way, back to this conversation of heaven and hell, either eternal uh, being existing and in the eternal presence of God or e existing in eternal separation from God. Because actually, the, one of the ways Scripture talks about sin, uh, in the Hebrew understanding at least, which is the Old Testament language, is missing the mark. And all of us That's have, Greek, man. It's New Testament. No, Hamartia. No, 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 no. Actually, it's not. Do your research. Oh, it is on. It's not. Nope. Okay, actually, fine. Don't, don't go with your no, missing the mark. No. no, as a matter of fact, look what you've just done. Look what you have just done. Hamartia. <laughs> started a big theological no, nerd fight. Hamartia. Podcast. Hamartia keep, no, keep moving. No, stop it, Tom. No. no, this is not a time for you guys no. to have your, your geeky stop it. Tom. Tom. Conversation. Move on. Nobody Stop wants it. to hear this. Fine. I'm moving on. Fine. I'll move on. Hamartia means a departure. Oh from my gosh. I'm going to just keep talking over you because this the is the Hebrew worst. word hata means to miss or to go wrong, to commit a mistake or an error, miss the mark or miss the way. My friend, gosh, destroyed. Right. I stand corrected. Eternal stand separation corrected. from me. Forever. <laughs> anyway. Do you know what the sound of that was? That was all of our listeners hanging up. Oh, really? Because I'm pretty sure they loved me pronouncing Greek and Hebrew terribly. Mm -hmm. Anyway, oh, um, all I'm saying is this. We all have, from, from the earliest times of our lives, we have this comprehensive framework of what it means to disappoint someone or to fail to meet the mark of something, right? As yep. a child... It is built into you. You know when you disappoint your parents. Uh, as you grow into your teenage years, you know what it's like to fail to be the most popular, the, you know, the most athletic or the smartest in class or something like that, right? And it just is a perpetuation throughout our entire lives. And I think that the reason that we are able to nail this down scripturally and then therefore uh, attribute it to our very creation and then the corrupt nature of that creation because of sin brings us all the way back to this discussion of heaven, of hell, of the afterlife, is that because of our broken nature and subsequent broken systems, we miss the mark and we understand that. And so that's why we are always looking to something to grasp onto for hope, something that will pull us out onto perpetual disappointment or unending failure. And that could be a, a myriad of things. You know, it could be myriad religions. It could be uh, philosophies. It could be self-help tools. It could be pride, uh, self-reflection. partners. What? Romantic partners. Romantic partners, relationships, yeah. food. It could be alcohol, drugs. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. We're always grasping, like you guys just said, onto something that will offer us hope and offer us escape. Mm -hmm. And yet, from the biblical perspective, all of us will never attain escape. We will never attain an ability or even have something that we can define as hopeful. It has to come from outside of us. And so, therefore, when we look at this eternal presence of God, this light, this uh, all-encompassing love, redemption, et cetera, et cetera, that is the only hope that we can be secure in because it is something that comes from outside of our broken and corrupt nature that we will ultimately always disappoint unless it is given to us through an act of grace or mercy. That's right. And, and I think, I don't know, to my, my friend the cynic who says like, well, you guys are still just pie in the sky. What's true is we came from, you know, a random explosion and eventually the sun's going to burn everything up and we're all going to die anyways and we're just worm food. Um, I, I, I guess if that's where you want to go, then I just want to encourage you to have the intellectual honesty to say if we came from nothing and we're headed towards nothing, let's just be real. This part in the middle also means nothing. And so, so either we, we own up to that or we say there's hope. Everything's going to be okay. Which I, I think for me at least is ultimately the, the, the biggest fear while remaining the largest source of hope. Because yep. you have to take a chance. You have to take a risk. Faith is risky. You know what I mean? I am putting all of my chips – onto the Christian faith. I'm saying that I believe this guy, Jesus, was actually a human being, 
that he was who he says he was, which is the second person of the triune God that was prophesied throughout all of Hebrew, you know, scriptures, uh, given to the Israelites and passed on from generation to generation through the early church all the way up until 2017, where Josh Woodrow continues to believe that he is the Christ, the one who can redeem me, and ultimately will make all things new. And that is a terrifying prospect. Yep. All at the same time, provides the most intense source of comfort. Yep. So let me let me just back up to what Gabe you said there because I, I agree with the with the statement and the sentiment of if we came from nothing and we end in nothing, then let's be honest, everything in the middle is nothing. But I would push back on that a little bit. If you, in the absence of faith and religion and all of those types of things, there are great things that do happen. There are things that happen in the middle. You're a big soccer person. There's a big soccer match and lots of people are excited about it. And one team wins and another team doesn't. And there's, there's people making money or they draw. like that. People, people build huge, fantastic buildings. We, yep. we do nice things for our neighbor. We, you know, we cook a great meal and that's just the middle. And there's nothing really more to than just what we experience and things like that. But no one can exist like that, Tom. No one actually exists like that. Yeah. What do you that mean? is all a facade. I, what I mean is there's either a source of fear or a source of hope that undermines all of those endeavors. No one can simply exist ambiguously by being like, yeah, this is great. This is all we have. I remain neutral. I remain centered. I remain balanced. Like that just simply isn't human nature. I, I, well, actually, I though, the one exception I would say though, Josh, sorry, but is I would say – a shallow existence can live that way. Like you can, like, because, because listen, I guarantee you the Kardashians like are not thinking about this stuff. They no, not thinking about this stuff, but you're telling me they, they're not struggling with, with questions of eat. Like, I don't want to say eternity because it sounds like I'm all of a sudden a televangelist or something, but not struggling with questions. You're, you're saying that they are literally so numb by their yes. shallowness that they yes. never that they never actually think of anything beyond themselves yes, yes. i and and and, and unfortunately i, I, think I that's don't a large portion of the culture actually well then They're isn't that like the true the isn't that the true definition of what hell is then is a state of yes. mind where you are so focused on oneself that you have yeah. eternally turned your back and removed yourself from god it's very possible I, I think it's a little deeper than than that shallow shallowness that you were talking about. If you come from a perspective of that there is that we came from nothing and that there is nothing afterwards, and in the middle is times of happiness, times of sadness, bad things, good things, all of those things can exist in this realm. Yeah. Yes, we but so what? To what end? To what end? What why does there have to be an end? I'm playing devil's advocate here. That's what I'm trying to say. Everyone, everyone seeks for an end. Everyone knows there's an end. That's what my argument would be. Right, but, like, if, you're, but if your end is just nothing and you're totally good with that, then what's the problem? Like, that, I, I guess maybe there's none. I guess good for you. Like, I, But I do think how, you're an idiot. I, I mean, I guess I've said this on the show before, well, me, but... I, I guess, and, and this is an impossible question to answer, but my, my, my truthful, honest, transparent question would be, if at the moment of your death, whether it's facing a train coming head on or lying in hospice, at the moment of your death, is that thought of, yep, this is all it is. I'm going to become warm food. Is that really the last thing going through your mind? I doubt it. I am skeptical of that, if anything. No, and I don't, I don't, I don't think that would be the last thought. I think someone could reflect, they might reflect on their, their family, all the great times they had. Maybe they're reflecting on all the horrible things that happened in their life and that it didn't turn out the, the way that they wanted it well, to. See, no, 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 but, but see, to, to me, correct me if I'm wrong, that is, a, that is a completely different framework entirely because then you were thinking, you're pondering either on uh, things that make you, that, that help you achieve a, a moral good or suffering and how to justify that suffering, which is completely different than ambivalence. 
Yeah. It, true ambivalence would be, well, hey, we had a good run. I'm going to be warm food. This is all yeah. there was. This is all I ever was. Awesome. Versus how do I reconcile all the suffering in my life with something that I feel like should be more or less or man, I've had a great life. This will somehow justify me in whatever the next life brings. Yeah, you're, you're imposing meaning on your life regardless. And you can't impose, like, a meaning that comes only from you is not actually meaning. That's just called projection. No, I'm not saying it comes just from me. I'm saying it's coming from the things that I interact with in this world. Yeah, but but that's that. But what's that based on? That's still based on your experience. That's your subjective experience of that which matters. So so you could be born in a variety of cultures, and X, Y, or Z is elevated to give meaning. But again, when the sun burns everything up, who cares? I mean, this is that's like this right. is this is like what Tolstoy realized. Like 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 this. Oh, people need to read books. Okay, so like freaking. <laughs> Sorry, I like just become so and not Kindle Wait, books, real did books. I, did, no, time out. Did, do you believe that, that our listeners and the people that we're trying to reach don't read books? I I believe they read books, but like, or do you believe you're the only one who reads books? I'm the only one who reads books. Um, I read a book. I read a book today. Fantastic. Finished a whole thing. Archie comics. Nope. Anscar, Apostle to the North. Ooh, that sounds awesome. It's Are sort you... of toying with my with my northern paganism. That's oh, I mean, that's really what it's doing. But he was Goodness. a Christian. That's good. Anyways, no, dude, I, I'm sure they read books, and that's great. But read Leo Tolstoy, A Confession, okay? And this is what he gets at. Like, he has this moment, like Tolstoy, Tolstoy. We all know who he is. No one's going to know who Tom O'Neill is. No offense, but we're not, okay? No one's going to know who Gabe Casper is. No offense, but we're not. But Tolstoy, who's a big deal, came to this conclusion. He was a big deal in his lifetime. And he came to this conclusion. He said, what have I done? My life is a waste. Who cares about any of this crap? And anyone who doesn't see this is not thinking at all about this world. And, it, and it's it, to me, it's person after person of the best thinkers in the world that come to this conclusion. That either it's nihilism and let's just burn this mother down. And yeah, you can project all the meaning you want. But it's just you projecting it. I, it, it. That's all it is. It's just you choosing to say there's meaning. Or meaning comes extra nos, right? It was just Latin for outside of us. Try and correct me on that, Josh. Well, I'm not um, going to because you're actually correct. Ta-da. Um, However, we've had this conversation, I feel like, time and time again, where whenever the question of existential, <laughs> existential philosophy arises, Gabe has a moment of crisis and do. for the sake of our listeners and your own mental states, we should probably just wrap this thing up. Give, give Gabe a mental break for a couple of weeks <sighs> before we come back <sighs> into this thing, let him breathe. <sighs> and ultimately we will just answer some more questions, which hopefully will be phenomenally fascinating. So what? let's take a break. Let's give Gabe some time. No, when we come back, we're we're gonna finish the conversation because I don't think we I don't think we finished where we want to be. We're gonna come back. We're gonna finish this, and then we have a a set of questions that we're very excited about for the next episode. You're gonna want to hear what that is. We'll be right back. If you come back, you'll see Gabe's head explode, or not see it, but hear his head explode. <laughs> welcome us back apparently tom has a question to get us started uh go ahead tom my question is what okay just from the devil's advocate perspective what is wrong with projecting if it's nothing but projection good i mean yep i it like is. projection I like, with, tom projection is ultimately you, false it is ultimately false no matter how you look at it according to what according to just like 
I mean, I don't know, according to Plato's Allegory of the Cave, I mean, according to our own projections of self that we ultimately realize uh, just turn to ash and dust before our very eyes. Let's talk about this because what I would say, though, Josh, is like, I agree. It is. It's ultimately false. Who cares? If it makes me happy, who cares? If I'm happy. Well, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yes. But I also think like a brief summary of the parable of the rich man, you know, who stored up all his crops and it was taken from him would be applicable here uh-huh. as, as a good ending point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like it would be, but I just wanted to confirm. And then I think, and maybe with that, Josh, like tying in Jesus' words of like, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his soul? Yeah. So what sure. does it profit a man to imbibe every projection yet ultimately lose his soul? Exactly. But from the perspective, though, of someone who doesn't believe in the afterlife, this man who stores up his crops, who is a rich dude, who does well in life, is a great businessman, has a beautiful wife, you know, has great kids and lives a pretty decent life and then dies and becomes worm food. From the perspective of someone who doesn't have who 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 does not subscribe to a a religion, that's not bad. Oh, really? No, no, no. No, see, this is where I disagree because what did that person spend their entire life doing? Trying to amass everything. And what do they ultimately receive? Nothing. They really don't care that everything they work for to get everything results in absolutely nothing. I I, I find that hard to believe. Well, yes, from the religious perspective, but but see, that's that. I guess that's where I fundamentally disagree. I don't think there exists a human being on earth from the most staunch atheist down to the most pious Christian who would be actually okay with the fact that, yeah, it's nothing. Absolute nothingness. See, and that to me is where I disagree. I think people are so shallow that they probably are okay with that. And then no, I just say, no, and I would just shallow existence. I would disagree with both of you because what I see, especially in the in the giving realm, is that people are are concerned about their legacy. They're concerned about giving to their kids, so they work very hard. They have a great life. They they have a great job, and then they are happy in the fact that they are able to to pass on their financial resources. They are happy to pass on their wisdom in their in their retirement. They're able to teach at the local college or whatever, and they're they're able to give back. And they feel fulfilled in in that regard. And when they die, they they say, I had a really great life. Things were really great. I'm good with going now. But you see, that's what I'm saying. That's, that is the parable of the rich man. I had a really great life. I'm cool, but you know what I mean? And it's taken from you. Like, yeah. Even that is taken from you. See, th- this is where, like, and, and, and this is purely conjecture, okay? Gabe, this is a theology of glory, so cover your ears. I am convinced that that person who says, I had a really good life, I gave everything, actually dies in peace. That they do or do not die in peace. That they do not die in peace. That, that That at the moment of their death where they say, I had such a great life, I left such a great legacy, that they are at peace when they know they're taking their final breath. I think there is still some angst, some consternation, some questioning. Well, and and I don't know that or not, but but I would say this. That's why I say it's pure conjecture. I just, conjecture. A, you are being a theologian of glory. Um, I know. We got to wrap this up. Here's yeah. the bottom line, friends. We're hope-based creatures. We Indeed. encourage you to put your hope in something real outside of yourself. Yep. So that should be the end. Let's do that. Period. Period. Friends, next week, as Tom promised, we are going to, well, a couple weeks from now, we're every other week on this here podcast. We're going to go through a few more questions um, just to uh, to give you a, a feeling on them. So uh, uh, some of them are, explain what you think actually happened during some of the outlandish stories of the Bible. Noah's Ark, Moses uh, parting the Red Sea, Jesus turning water into wine, Jesus walking on water, etc. So talking the miracles of Scripture, what's going on there? Um, are there any stories of the Bible that we question? If so, what are they and why? Uh, another one is kind of gets at the, if science is true and the earth is 4.5 billion years old, what happens with faith religion before 8,000 years ago? 
what you think would be different now if Jesus appeared as he did the first time 2,000 years ago, how to be different with social media and the news? That'll be a really fun one, actually. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, so a lot of great questions that we're going to hit in our rerun of The Nuns, and that'll be part three. But we are finishing up part two uh, tonight, and, uh, and glad to have you all listen with us today, wherever you're at, in your car, on a run, hanging out with your family, whatever it is. Glad to have you here. So uh, quick shout outs to people. First of all, to our girl, Janet. We love you. Thanks hey, for Janet. Um, and uh, any other shout outs? I mean, I would like to give a personal shout out to all those who have texted in questions. Yes. You know, we kind of did that as a flyer, seeing how people would respond. And so far, it's been pretty remarkable how many of you have texted in questions, comments, uh, I don't know, jabs at Gabe about how he's not funny. So at a minimum, let's keep those coming so that we keep Gabe grounded and not becoming so prideful about his hilarity. It's good. It's good However, in the future, if you want to engage with us, I would say, honestly, one of the best ways is, aside from Facebook, is to shoot us a text. 612-208-6258 is the number. And we look forward to having them. Who knows? Maybe you'll make an episode. You probably will. Dreams do come true. All right. We love you guys. Pine Glass Preachers, over and out.